town Atlanta, where I am here to remind you that such is the nature of life, that all it asks and all it wants is the opportunity to appear. You're that opportunity. So am I, and so it is. Hmm. That's a great thought and a great idea. The idea being that life is showing up as all of us, as each of us. We are a center, a community, where people are honored and recognized for who we are, whatever our background, however we're shaped, whatever ways in which we self-identify or, or understand ourselves and our cultures and our places in the world. We're always welcome. And it's more than just welcome. It's really honoring who we each are, who we are in, in being here. We are a center that, that operates strongly in the idea that things are done unto us according to our beliefs, that, that nothing is actually done to us, that we create our lives and our experiences out of what we believe about ourselves and about life and how we react to those things around us. Living in a world today of a great deal of, of division and pain and suffering in lots of levels, lots of discord and disagreement being hit every day with, with invitations to jump into the fear and the anger that shows up. It means it's how, it's how Facebook determines what they're going to send us. It's how YouTube determines what we're going to look at. It's what we already looked at. And fear and anger gets our attention, whereas we are a place where you can come and be away from all that where we're not after your fear or your attention based on, on anger. We're here to recognize something deeper and more important as part of the human experience. And that is love, that is peace, that is harmony, and that is an ability to rise above and look beyond those immediate things that are hitting us all the time from the world around us. And this is where you can begin to get support from one another as well as from the messages and thoughts here, here in our talks. So welcome, I'm very glad you're here, and I'm very happy to uh, share a little more with you about what we believe and what we do. So uh, hear this from our practitioners. I believe. I believe. I believe in one God. One absolute power and first cause to all things. I believe that this power is perfect love. And creates out of a desire to express love. I believe all thought is creative and how I choose to think creates my personal experience. I believe in the unity of all life. And the immortality of the individual soul. Forever unfolding. I believe. I believe. I believe in the eternal goodness. The eternal goodness of God. The eternal loving kindness. And the eternal givingness of God to all. And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Up there on the screen and to see some of you in the room who were in those videos. Thank you for being here. Welcome back. Our travelers from Maine from Maine to Maine and back and forth. Good to have you with us. The, um, the practitioners that we talk about and that you heard are people who have been trained in this teaching, who've learned to use the principles of new thought, science of mind, to change their lives and then have also learned how to use that with other people, for other people.
So they are folks who are available to support you in any area that you want support in, any area that uh, perhaps you're needing to get out of a stuck place or you're needing a greater, bigger, better idea. They are the ones who can help. And you can find them on our website at cslmidtown.org. So uh, today, however, we have one with us who will be presenting uh, some ideas and thoughts and who is um, who came to us through classes. She found us that way. She was a practitioner long before she came to us and has been a world traveler and lived in very lived in Kuwait and I think some other places in the world outside of the U.S. So she helps make us a truly international organization. So without any, just I'm so happy to welcome Maya, I almost said Maya Angelou, no, the other Maya, Maya Fuller, to our screen. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. So today we are talking about finances. And this is part of CSL Global Themes. So I don't know if you all know this, but at CSL Midtown, what we do is, for the most part, we follow along with the CSL International and the themes that they that they set out for the year and for the month. And this year, the theme, the global theme for 2022, has been living everyday wonder. And really, we're looking and talking about prosperity and well-being in all these areas of life. So the areas of life that we have discussed and we're going to be discussing throughout the rest of the year, we discussed um, prosperity and success in our inner life, in play, in creativity. In May, we talked about um, living everyday wonder and have in our emotions, June in our body. July, we talked about relationships, and then there was nature and work, and then this month is finances, and then the next month is prosperity in our home and, you know, better living and a wonderful life in our communities for December. But like I said, this week specifically is um, finances, and that is a really good thing for me because I am working on building a better relationship with my money. So I want to say the word money in particular, specifically say money, because it's interesting because I'm in a mastermind group, you know, made up of other metaphysicians where we really like pray with one another and um, see and know that um, the desires of our hearts can be made manifest. And there's one member of this group who is a financial advisor. And she is also an international um um, liver and traveler. And she has attended, you know, she attends CSL both in America and in, um, in another country in Jamaica, where she, where she lives part of the year. And she says that, you know, she's a financial advisor. So she says that, you know, I really noticed that we shy away from the word money, cash, moolah, dollars. When we talk about, um, you know, when we're talking, when we're at talking about prosperity, we will use euphemisms like prosperity and abundance um, that definitely are, are, are valid, right? Prosperity, want a prosperity in all these areas of our lives, like, you know, CSL is saying, right? And one of the areas of our lives where we want to be prosperous is in our finances and finances are money. <laughs> and doesn't it seem a little bit, um, odd and different 
to be flashing $100 bills, y'all, you know, at Sunday service. And I want it, and it does, right? So I noticed that, yes, even when we're talking about money, we still will say finances, we still will say abundance and, 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 um, and prosperity. So I'm like, okay, well, what did Ernest Holmes say about money? So what I have uh, for my little part is three places where Ernest Holmes spoke about money. I'm going to be um, reading from Living the Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. I'm going to be reading his little excerpt from How to Change Your Life by Ernest Holmes, and also 365 Days of Richer Living by Ernest Holmes, Holmes and Charles Barker. Um, and last week, if you remember when um, Reverend John uh, gave told a little story about Charles Barker flashing money and kissing money, <laughs> right? Uh, and how uh, Mary Morrissey was uh, taught during that that presentation about how to think about money differently. So I want to hear um, what Ernest Holmes had to say about money. So in How to Change Your Life, uh, chapter one, <laughs> um, first sentence says that every human being thrills at the thought of dreams come true. The idea means different things to different people. To you, it might mean physical health, the ability to walk, run, play, to engage in activity. To me, it might mean abundance, money, a home, a car, opulence. To another, dreams might involve education or the ability to get along with people. Whatever your personal desires may be, as long as they do not hurt yourself or someone else, you have a right to attain them and you can, including money. In Living the Science of Mind, Ernest Holmes has an entire section entitled Substance and Supply or the Law of Opulence. Again, he says, naturally, we all want what we want when we want it. One of the many criticisms made of new thought has been that it is materialistic since those interested are striving to better themselves materially. He says, the idea that it is wrong for man to pray for or treat to get what we call material good is based on the belief that reality and actuality are separated by a gulf which can be bridged only through individual suffering, impoverishment, and misery. He says that we find that the teaching of Jesus is quite at variance with the idea that it is wrong to ask for what we desire. For did Jesus not say that what, so, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them? He was announcing a principle and a principle and principles are universal, changeless and ever present. Um, on page 342, he goes on to say that when, any, when anyone tells us that it is wrong to use spiritual methods for promoting material well-being, we need not be misled. Such a philosophy contradicts the entire evolution of science, the inspiration of revelation, of divine insight, and the unfolding of unfoldment of human personality. It is a philosophy of materialism based on the superstition that there is God and something else. We do not have to enter into theoretical discussions with anyone, but if we are wise, we will remove all barriers from our imagination and come to the spirit of truth with a childlike mind expecting to receive good. He says, let us approach this idea of substance and supply and the law of opulence 
with a firm conviction that the eternal is forever saying to the to the temporal that the father is is forever proclaiming to the son all that i have is thine so holmes is saying that yes we're asking for all of our good and whatever that good means to us including money so in how to change your life he says are you interested in making more money the title of this chapter is called your thinking and your finances are you interested in making more money he asks and running your business more successfully and getting a better salary of course you are you want to be prosperous and that is only right and sensible the plain practical everyday problem of money making is a definite part of living and the answer to it is summed up in these words your financial success already exists but awaits you seeing it and accepting it as your own and finally <laughs> he says that if you want more money you ne merely need to place your order in this cosmic storehouse to have a greater supply of good become tangible in your experience it is important for you to identify yourself with the greater financial supply which you desire and you cannot do this by thinking about it as though it were impossible or unlikely or regretting that you do not now have it. And instead, you must train yourself to think about it with a feeling that reasonably and naturally it already is yours. So he does go through and um, tell you the steps that you could take in order to demonstrate money. And if you want to find out more, purchase this book, <laughs> How to Change Your Life. So basically, I found multiple places, um, even beyond this, where Ernest Holmes himself says it is right and good and, and, and lovely and fine to, to want money, to have money, to ask for money the same way, um, you know, we ask for any other kind of good, like health, um, success, happiness, joy. Um, and so that is, I'm pretty sure what Dr. Bob is going to be talking about today or something similar to it. So, um, I also, um, want to, we're going to, I'm going to end up in, end in treatment right now. And I'm also going to read, um, treatment that Ernest Holmes himself wrote in, uh, 365 days of better living. So closing out with more of Ernest, Ernest Holmes words. So we're just going to take this time, this moment right now to give thanks for this opportunity today to celebrate uh, our finances, to celebrate uh, living everyday wonder, enjoying success and peace and, and light and love and prosperity in our finances and with our money. We know that we live in a world that is filled with God's abundance. And I now claim this as my own. And I invite you all to definitely receive um, what I'm saying in the first person um, as Ernest Holmes wrote it for yourself, if you so desire. The riches of the, of the universe are open to me and I partake in them in wisdom and joy. All my affairs are under the law of prosperity. Increased good flows to me from all directions and from all people. There is no lack in my consciousness for God's ideas fill my thought and all its riches and opulence. I am orderly in all my ways. I'm loving, kind, and gracious. I speak this day in terms of abundance. 
I, I expect increased prosperity and money to take place to show up in my world, for I know that God's activity is alive in my affairs. I now give thanks that the riches of God are mine to use and to enjoy in right ways. And I let it be so, and so it is. Money, 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 makes the world go around, the world go around, the world go around. Money makes the world go around, it makes the world go round. That's a lie. But it's a fun lie. It's a great musical, by the way, first performed in, in Philadelphia and then later in New York and produced by one of our own science and mind folks, who is a new thought person, actually, who wrote the book God is All There Is, and whose name I didn't write down. It is down not in my head, but it will come back in a moment. So Walter Starkey, I knew I'd get it. He, uh, he was a... Broadway producer before he was teaching in Science of Mind Circles, and he was friends with Isherwood, who wrote the original lyrics to uh, what later became Cabaret. So the um, uh, exciting thing to us is that, that he is, there's a huge connection between Science of Mind and so much of what was coming out of Broadway back in the 50s, 60s, and you can find it, you can hear it, anti-Babe the original anti-mame. I mean, just watch it and you've got religious science ideas all over it. So uh, Holmes was also involved in that. So was his, his wife was the daughter of a Hollywood producer. So they, they, we show up all over the place in little bits and pieces there. And that's exciting because it means this message has been brought out into a larger and greater world for a very long time. But Side, that's a sidetrack. Back to the, to the focus here, and that is that money does not make the world go around. Money is a way of exchanging value, and that's really wow, important and necessary. But what makes the world go around is the infinite consciousness of the universe. I mean, the world was going around long before humans ever showed up to make money. And, and it was swirling and swirling, but there was an interchange of values, mathematical and energetic, that made the whole thing possible. And it was that physical interchange of values of, of attraction and, and repulsion and all of that, that that kept the whole thing circulating the sun and to kept the earth in exactly the right place for human life to develop finally after many, many, many years of existence of this planet. And and what I what I draw from that is that we need to pay more attention to what we're thinking about what we're saying. Because we all say that. You know, and there's so many crazy ideas about money. One of the things I want to do today, today the talk is entitled Money, So They Say. And, I'm, and I want to poke some holes in some of our beliefs about money because I do firmly believe that any limitations on the flow of money into our lives has to do with at least partially, if not totally, um, what our consciousness is and what our beliefs are. I talked to you in, in the very first talk this month. I talked about standing under a waterfall with a teacup to receive the good that God is giving out and the spirit is, is, is spreading out and, and, and you know drowning us in, except we're not drowning when we learn to swim and we learn to breathe. 
We learn to accept more. Well, that's partly what we're talking about today. Or what are some of those things that are may, we may be blocking the flow without even realizing it, that we're in our thinking and in our consciousness. A lot of that is very much culturally defined. And by that, I mean for people who've grown up in certain cultures and certain income levels and become so accustomed to that, they, they don't have... They have limits in our thinking that would keep us or keep them from stretching into higher and different places. So we're going to talk about all that today, or a little bit of that today. What I, um, <clears throat> what, what we're really bringing to focus, and I love that Maya reminded us that our theme for the year is everyday wonder, that really what everyday wonder is about, it's about a very kind and positive look at, what, at our lives, not a critical, judgmental one, but a kind and positive look that is supported with curiosity and interest so that we get curious. We, we've been encouraging ourselves all year to get curious about our, our lives, get curious about our thinking. One of the greatest and most important qualities for longevity and for living vital, full, exciting lives is curiosity. Part of what we call looking old and seeming old is, is the loss of curiosity, where rather than being curious about all the changes going on in the world and all the evolution of human, human thought and consciousness, people get critical and bored and tired because it's not the way it used to be. Remember before we had cell phones? Some of you do. Well, I'm just very, very, very happy we are using cell phones. And I know I get frustrated with the complexity of some of it now that my grandchildren think nothing of and just go and do, but I get them to teach me. Cahill Gibran said, our, our generations following us are here to teach us, not for us to teach and control and manage them. We give them what we can, we set them free, and then they teach us, whatever age we are. So the core idea here for everything we do i think around here is that what you believe as you believe it is done unto you jesus said it 2000 years ago other teachers have said it in different ways and and it's so vital it's not when you believe it or if you believe it it's as you are believing it is the actual verbiage there, the actual way it's, it's structured. As you believe, it is done unto you. As I believe in prosperity, it is coming, and I am experiencing and, and being able to accept and take more of it in. As I believe in health, my health is improving, and my health is operating the way it's designed to operate. As I believe, not someday when I believe. So what do we need to do to open that up a little more so we can receive more? of the prosperity that we talk about, of the money we talk about. I loved her flashing the money. That was great. So one of the ways we can do that is to pay attention to any kind of negative or even not negative, but just catches, we call them, where something in you goes, what? And I wonder, and please don't show me your hands, is, is how many of you had a catch when she starts waving $100 bills around in front of us? I loved it. It was kind of fun. There was a time when I would have gotten very angry and walked out. Spiritual church talking about money. 
you got to be kidding. They must be want more. That's the only reason to do it is because they want more. They want more of mine. And they're going to try to manipulate me into giving it to them by making me feel guilty about something. Well, we don't use guilt here. And I'm sad sometimes about that because, you know, you can get a lot out of people using guilt and shame. We don't do that. Our, our motivation in talking about money is about helping all of us to create better ideas and greater prosperity and the greater flow of money for us. And we know out of that will come a greater flow to our center. And, and, but we don't need to beat you over the head about that. We just remind you at the end of the time that, hey, we need money to pay for all this. So it's not about making you guilty or, or attempting to pull anything from you. It's about new ideas. Louise Hay says, if you want to clean up anything, you got to see the dirt first. So we're going to talk about a little bit of the dirt and a whole lot about the cleaning up. I don't know if you've ever heard the whole phrase, all those phrases about filthy lucre. My, my dad used to use that, filthy lucre. And he said it in a sort of grunting sort of way that I never understood why he did that. But it was filthy lucre. And then the other one I always heard from my grandparents, often heard, was money is the, sort, the, the, the root of all evil. You know, that one's been floating around out there in the human, human experience for a very long time. And like money is, makes the world go around, it ain't exactly true. It's, it's, it, the, the original quote is, the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, that ain't much better when you think about it. But when you go back further and look at the original languages where those phrases came from, where that one came from, the real word there is lust, not love. Because it's not the same love words in the biblical, biblical material. It has ton, lots of words for love. But the one that's used here is not one of them. It's the lust for money is the root of all evil. Now let's talk about lust. You didn't know we were going to get into that today, did you? I love it. So let's talk about lust. Here's, here's what the definition of lust is. Lust is desiring and wanting something you do not believe you can ever have. Think about it. If you just don't, you see that person there across the room and you're like, mm, 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 I really want that. And you get all excited about it, and then, but you can't even talk to them. Because deep down in your soul and your heart, you don't believe you're going to ever have any kind of relationship with them. So you watch from afar and you wish and you pine and you hurt and you go into pain. That's what lust is about. Approaching money that way is the same thing. The lust for money, the idea that money is something that other people have that I never can, is the root of all evil. Because then we end up doing crazy things to try to get from them rather than realizing we can create from within us ways in which money will flow to us easily and freely. So that's the first kind of false idea we need to clean out. The whole thing about money being evil or the lust for money or any of that. You know, the other one that's right along with that is, is a sort of idea that, that being really spiritual I don't know how many of y'all heard that spiritual when you were younger, but I heard spiritual down here in the South. Being really spiritual and being really focused on things of, of a higher consciousness and a higher idea means you have to be poor. Or if, you, if you're going to do that, then you're probably going to be poor. 
And it comes out of myths and ideas about Jesus that, that at least in the, in the Western culture, that Jesus was poor, that he had, he had um, you know, the, the stories born in a manger, poor guy, he's, he's in, born in a barn. And yet a manger in those days was the best place he could have been born because they're traveling. They stop at a, an inn, a hotel. What do we think of the Holiday Inn, or we think of much nicer ones than that, um, that ain't what it was. An inn in those days was a big open space that had some sort of fence around it and guards. You know, more like the parking lot at a really nice hotel. And the only buildings usually were where the family that ran the place lived and, some, and where the guards stayed. And the barn was the only sheltered warm place for the animals. Because, you know, if you don't take care of your car, you can't drive it. If you don't take care of your donkey, it ain't going to take you anywhere. So they took care of their animals in the sheltered place. But the people slept in tents out in the, out in the inn. This wasn't poor. It wasn't a sad thing. They let her go into the barn and be where she could be warm and protected, where Mary could be taken care of, and then Jesus was born. The fact that they could afford to lit, to go to an inn said they weren't poor because that was pretty well reserved for people with money. As he grew up, he grew up with the carpenter's family. That was not a poor family. That was an upper middle class family. That was a working class family and well thought of in the community. So all that's just twisted thinking that perhaps has been impressed upon us for reasons of ulterior motives from the past. And the others were things of, um, you know, the, the, the Buddha was not poor. He came from a very wealthy family and was always supported in that respect. And you can go right on down the line. People said about uh, Mother Teresa, it took uh, millions of dollars to keep her in poverty. Same thing has been true for others. And that's fine. That's good. And that means that you don't need to be poor to be truthful, to be tuned in, to be more spiritual. To be more spiritual means you have greater offerings, greater opportunities to give, and greater things that can move through you into life and into your life and into others. Another area that is, is often a, a, a uncomfortable area has to do with um, financial status. There was a time in my life where if someone cut me off in traffic and it was a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce, I got really pissed. If it was an old beat-up clunker, I didn't think as badly of them. Now, I'm not proud of that, but that's an idea that somehow prosperity should not be allowed to cut in front of me, but someone who's struggling like me should be. That's a kind of an idea we need to turn on its head. Not that anybody should be allowed to cut in front of me. Thank you very much. But that whoever is doing what they're doing is doing it because that's who they are and where they are. You know, get comfortable about those kinds of differences. And if you happen to be in one group or the other, you know, both sides can, be, can get really into shame about that. Get embarrassed by those things. Um, you know, I have friends and travel with friends and camp with friends. 
uh, who have a great deal of income and money. And we live, we enjoy each other. And sometimes they support a little more to me. Sometimes I do for them. But there's no expectation that anyone's going to take care of anyone else just because one group has more money than another group. In fact, we love and respect each other for where we are and we celebrate each other for where we are. No shame either way. One of the things that, that I've said before around this, maybe not here. So think a minute. If I were going to ask you to stand up where you are and share with the group what your favorite sexual position is, how does that feel? Yeah. Now here's another one. I'm going to ask you to stand up and tell us your financial worth. Which one's easier? There was a time when it was people bragged about their income and how much they make and kept their sex lives very private. Since the 60s, the sex lives have been a little more open, but much more likely to be ashamed or feel shame or feel protective about what our income is. Now, we're not going to do that. I just wanted you to see how that felt and what the difference is, because that tells you something about what your thinking is. Because that's what we're doing here. We're teasing out some ideas that may be standing in the way that you weren't even aware of. Another one around shame is to rise above the level of your family and financially. It can be very difficult sometimes, especially when you hit that threshold. When you know this is kind of, I'm about to buy the biggest, nicest, most beautiful home my family has, anybody in my family has ever had. People bump up against that and they self-sabotage and don't even realize that's what's happening. It's a glass ceiling kind of thing. So just be aware, notice, are any of those things rumbling around in your head that may be blocking what you're doing and how you're moving forward and making it more difficult to do those things? So, you know, so a lot of this is about understanding the value and the, uh, the reality of what money really is. It's not a thing. It's an idea first. And it's an idea. It is a symbolic way in which we exchange value. We used to do it with beads and shells and coconuts and and you know, semi-precious stones and all sorts of things. And then we graduated to an, a, a much more trusting system of dollars and money. And this, thus she waved them at, at us. And it was wonderful. But then we grew beyond that. And now money is, is about the exchange of electronic blips into one system or another. It's not about how many dollar bills you happen to hold. It's about what the accounting says in the electronics system. It's kind of an interesting thing when you stop and think about it. We don't, we don't even use money anymore. We use electronic exchange. But it's all about exchanging value for value. It's about giving and receiving and letting the flow go. Money is, is a, simple, a symbol for the flow of good in our lives and flow of good out to others. You know? We pay attention. What we pay attention to is what we value. As I've, I've come back to Atlanta, I've been back here now almost four years, cheapers. Um, and I've reconnected with friends from 
I left here in 1995 to go around the country doing this teaching. And, and I've had a wonderful experience. And as I've come back, I've bumped into my friends and gotten connected with some of them who've been here the whole time. And they've created wonderful houses and homes and they've developed all sorts of kinds of, of experiences that have made life here really rich and wonderful for them. And, and I went through a short time when I, shortly after I moved here when I, I kind of got down on myself because I've spent all my money on running around the country and enjoying it and, and connecting with different people and living in some really spectacular places up in the mountains and down by the beach and you know all over. And love it and love that constant newness that that, that has provided for me. And, um, and then it dawned on me, it's just about values. What matters? What matters the most to you? And then we build our lives around those values. And money is the symbol of those values. So a lot of this is about not only knowing what our values are, but opening up more fully and freely to those values and seeing them as a, as a potential place of flow. You know, I value this teaching. It has, it has saved my life more than once. It is the very stuff that I'm made of now. It's, it's how I think. It's what I do. Much of it is second nature. I still have a long way to go because I still have a lot of those little hidden things back there that, uh, that prevent me. But as I've gotten clear about that and figured out where the real values are, there's a much greater sense of freedom and prosperity. We've been talking about prosperity. When we talk about value, do we value prosperity? Prosperity is not about how many dollars you got in your bank account or how much or what the electronics happen to be saying about any of that. It is instead really about the whole idea of of how you are living your life and how you are taking it forward. The values are, prosperity, I mean, is, a, is, is defined as freedom, the freedom to live the way I choose, where I choose, with whom I choose, when I choose. Now, the when may take a little, the time has to be a little flexible there sometimes as to how things develop and when and where. But when I go back through my journals from my early years in this teaching and before, I'm aware that many of the things I wrote down in my visions and dreams have come about, not at that time, but later. Because my values and I stuck to them and they guided and directed me where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. So everyone should have the freedom of prosperity and have the opportunity to, to that freedom. And we are about, this teaching is all about freedom. The beginning of the Science of Mind textbook talks about freedom is our birthright. And that is freedom over our lives, our bodies, everything about us and who we are. And when I say us, I mean men, women, children, all in, everyone in between. There is freedom in the center. There is freedom all around. So I have, I have a suggested assignment for you this week. John might have done this last week, but if he did, you're getting it again. And that is, when you next pull out your wallet and take a look at your bills, hopefully you've got some $100 bills in there, I carry a $100 bill all the time because it makes me feel rich. 
to walk open my wallet and look at a hundred bucks. It's like cool. I can I can I can't be stuck anywhere with that. I've been stuck without any and, so, and had it provided, but that's another story. So it's about so the assignment, though, is to when you take it out, take or, or even when you're in your meditative time, pull out a, your biggest bill and just sit and look at it a little bit and decide, ask it, bring to your awareness, what does money really mean to you? What does this bill at, at its current size really mean to you? What are the possibilities of that? Are there old stories you have about money? One pops in my head right now that I am still trying to get rid of. You better use it quick because somebody's going to take it away from you. You may have those. You may have many others. Whatever it is, bring them to the front. Recognize the, the, the craziness of them, the untruth in them, and declare the opposite truth. Money is my friend. I have a great loving relationship with, with money. Money flows to me. I'm a money magnet. I like that one. Some affirmation that allows that. And money is God in action. That's Raymond Charles Barker talking. Those, those kinds of affirmations begin to shift and change whatever those old messages are by changing them into new messages. You deserve that. You deserve more money. You deserve all the money you want. And so do I. And so does everyone else. And so it is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And now we're going to hear from Vance. More money. Hey, everybody. So that's time for our affirmation of prosperity, which talks about all of this. So you have the opportunity to give online at www.cslmidtown.org slash donate or click on the QR code. It'll take you right to the site to do a donation. And yeah, it's all about flow flow and this affirmation talks about that so if you would read with me our affirmation of prosperity i live in a universe of abundance as i freely and joyfully give i join in the divine flow and all that i share with life returns to me multiplied abundantly and so it is back to dr bob for any announcements we've got yes, going forward definitely all right, so we're wrapping up a class right now. A new one will be starting shortly on the creative process. I'll be having some information show up on that this week, and I'm really excited and looking forward to that class. It'll be, it's only five weeks. We'll squeeze it in before Christmas, and it will happen on Wednesday nights online. So if you're interested, I encourage you. It's a brand new class from CSL uh, International. And we'll, um, we'll be creating, it's not new data, but it's a new structure. So you've, you've never taken it before, I promise. Creative thought and creative power, creative thought in the individual. So another announcement is just to remind you that we also have a money basket at the back, which is just, you know, just drawing it in, just drawing it in. So take a look at that. Take a look. Give it, give it a thought. Pop it in if it's, it's for you. So I want to do some thank yous today. I want to do them um, because I want to thank D Dr. John Karn for being here last week and for covering, for to allow me to go to the retreat I just returned from in California to, uh, and, and every week, cannot shout loudly enough, thank you, Vance. Thank you, Jake. He's around here somewhere for your contributions, for making this happen, for the head of the electronics, the chair set up, the room set up, all that happens here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
We also want to uh, give a great shout out to New Thought Radio, the New Thought Radio Network, actually, and uh, Diego Reese, Reyes, never said his word, name out loud. I don't know. I just saw it written. But Diego is, is the guy in Denver who's making sure all of this happens and, and throws things on the screen when it needs to be there and broadcasts it out to the, to the Internet and to the world, actually, through uh, the New Thought Radio Network. So thank you. Thank you, Connie. Michelle, back here in the back. She is our administrator for the center. And she is here setting up and taking care of this old Sundays. And I'm so grateful, so grateful that you're here. Grateful to have you as part of our, our deal. Thank you to our trustees, to our practitioners, and to our marketing team. I don't know if you've noticed lately, we have brand new uh, website and now newsletters coming out. I hope if you don't normally look at those, take a minute and look at it. If you're not on our newsletter list, sign up through the website, cslmidtown.org. And a uh, big thank you to Jill Pullen and to the site trustees that have been marketing for us now for several months and changing our look and changing our face and hopefully inviting more new people to show up and be part of this because this is a message that matters. And I want it out there to as many people as can hear it. Thank you very much. Let's close with our closing slide and, and affirmation. I leave this place now knowing something better than I knew before. I go forth into the world with a heart full of love and a mind full of good sense. I look at the world in a greater way, knowing that I have within me everything I need to create the life I desire. I give thanks for this understanding. I am grateful for the spirit of life that lives through me. And so it is. <laughs>